Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. My Comic Shop History is a 10-episode podcast event that chronicles the rise and fall of New York comic book store, Alternate Realities. Each week, I will be speaking to past and present owners, customers, and employees about our experiences at the store. Last week, I chatted with Alternate Realities owner and founder, Steve Odo, about his unlikely journey and decision to close the store after 23 years. This week, I am joined by two guests. Across from me is customer-turned-employee Sean McInerney. Sean still finds time to work the occasional Saturday at the store, despite being a full-time school psychologist, husband, and father. During my tenure as an AR worker, I spent more time behind the counter with Sean than with anyone else. Tonight, we're revealing our pet peeves and telling our best stories. To my right is Mike Capolino, a.k.a. number 122, a longtime regular customer. Given that much of our first episode involved Steve bashing his customers, I thought it would be fitting to hear from a member of that group and get his perspective. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, thank you. Hey, what's up, guys? Great to be here. So the title of this episode is The Three-Minute Rule. I think we need to just jump right in, and Sean, what is The Three-Minute Rule? I will give you three minutes of my undivided attention, and after that, I've completely checked out. And then it becomes a challenge to see how long it takes the customer to realize that my eyes are no longer connected with theirs, that I am now reading a comic, or I've moved on to another customer before they get the hint, okay, now it's time to maybe stop asking which female superhero has a bigger bra size. Do you know what I mean? Something like that, just to cut the, cut the, the nonsense off. What do you mean, you guys? Comic book fans? We ask silly questions? And we're at three Come minutes for Mike. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to say, Mike would, would, would never fall into that category. No, absolutely absolutely not, no. And it's not for every customer. That's true. We should. That, that's true. It's not a blanket three-minute rule. Um, because part of the beauty of the store is, is the relationships that you do form with the customers. But there are, you do get some interesting characters <laughs> that come in that not only make you as an employee uncomfortable, but can make other people in the store uncomfortable. And some of what they want to talk about, not always uh, appropriate for the kids that might be in the store and stuff like that. And so you have to, the three minute rule is really meant for the greater alternate yeah. audience. Have you ever found that the issue you encountered was that the, the person who you were talking to didn't necessarily want to hear what you thought, but more just wanted to share what they thought? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think the beauty of alternate realities and really any comic book stores, it brings in very quirky and eclectic people, um, and but they all share a similar passion, which is wonderful. Um, however, they don't always have the opportunity to share that passion with other people, so they just come in and figure, okay, well, these guys like what I like, so I'm just going to talk about what I like and get it all off my chest because they're here and they're being paid to stay here so they can't leave me. So um, absolutely, I think it is an opportunity for them to get to say what they want to say. This store, you you know, you guys should know is unique compared to some other comic stores in that context. I've, you know, I've had a lot more long conversations. I mean, not just with you gentlemen and with the guys who work here and people who have become friends with, but randoms where there was give and take and there definitely was back and forth compared to some other places I've been to where it's like every conversation is just someone trying to Tommy Topper each other, just trying to be like, oh, I know more than you about, you know, obscure character X, Y, and Z. What is the worst thing that you've done to disengage with a customer? Oh, is this the, st do you want me to tell the, 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 the spanking story? Is that, is that what you're leading for? Is that, <laughs> are you fishing for that story? I actually wasn't fishing for that story. I figured we would get to that later, but I yeah. think we might as well get into I, well, it now. Well, you know, some of the things I've done, you know, simply reading a comic or, looking down at the computer screen, looking up towards the TV, looking at the other customers in the store, um, engaging in a conversation with another customer in the store or returning to a conversation that we were in the midst of to stop to, you know, to help the customer, which is totally appropriate. And, and I don't want to sound at all like we were ever off-putting. I don't think we were ever off-putting to the customer. You're a customer. We're, we're, yeah, not we're, that I ever saw. I mean, you know, and please do not 
filter, you know, I, you guys are my buds. I mean, I, I don't think of you guys as like, you know, the store clerks that I came to see. So, well, and that's the please feel free to talk. I mean, I, I, you know, I hope I'm not considered. I think my presence here means I'm not a regular customer. You know, by no means do I consider you the customer, <laughs> but you are representative of yeah, yeah. of some of the customers. <laughs> but you're a great representation representation of how the customers become more than just people that come yeah. in and buy stuff they become a part of your life they become friends and buds and you can you know shoot, shoot the shit with them yeah. um but the three minute rule does not apply for those customers <laughs> uh, or does it but no it does not at apply times, for those at customers times. <laughs> at times i know i've known i've been known to rant periodically so uh well to echo what sean said um yeah i mean i agree i definitely don't consider you uh, a quote-unquote regular customer uh, and the fact that you're here recording this podcast episode with us is testament to that and I mean, I have to say, in general, despite whatever pet peeves we may have and what pet peeves we'll discuss on this podcast, um, I mean, on the whole, I, I consider the customers to be a great group of people. Um, the diversity that comes through the, the store, I think, is impressive. Mostly men, mostly adults. But in terms of, of backgrounds and interests and occupations, you know, you, you get a whole cross-section. And I think interacting with, you know, that variety of people, um, you know, I always found that to be very you know very valuable especially for someone who you know used to be on the shy side and i and i completely agree with you and part of the reason i've stayed at the store for so long despite having a full-time job and a family and outside commitments elsewhere um is due largely because of the customers that you do connect with and you get these uh, different perspectives because they all have different fields that they work in they've all generationally they're different um and but they all have the same common passion. Sean, you actually have one up on me in that this is not the only comic book store you've ever worked for. True. I, so I want to get a little bit into your your comic shop history. Um, prior to working at Alternate Realities, where did you work? Yeah, so uh, my comic shop history started, um, I got a job my senior year of high school working at One If By Cards, Two If By Comics. It's now American Legends. Mm-hmm. Also located on Central Avenue, uh, probably about a mile from this store here. Uh, much more uh, a sports store than a comic book store. Um, but at the time, they, they, they did deal with more comics, and um, they offered me a job. I, I, I had been shopping there for a little bit, um, mainly because my mom would drop me off so I can go shopping while she would run you know, to the bookstore with my sister or run errands on Central and then come back and scoop me up again. Um, so I started working there. I worked there for a year. And then when I graduated high school, I came to the store here because I had heard that they were having a huge sale and I remember going around and at that time begging for whatever money I could get from grandparents aunts uncles godparents anybody because I said oh my dollar dollar bin sale this is amazing I gotta take full advantage of it um and saw the store and saw uh the the clutter but but saw the fun in the hunt of going through these boxes and finding the hidden gems um and and fell in love with it and became a, a, a customer here as soon as I graduated high school and, and, and quit my other job. Um, and then not long after being a customer, uh, you know, I got in talking with Steve and, and became close with Steve and close enough where I had said, you know, Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm home from, from college or it's over the summer. I don't even remember how it all started, but I just started showing up on Wednesdays before the store opened. And he would let me in, and I just started helping unpack books. Um, and never never for money, never with the expectation of getting paid or thinking that I was a customer. More for my own selfish, I wish I could have the books two hours sooner. So if I show up and help you put them out, can I at least buy them and, and be on my way? Um, and, and ultimately what started happening ever so slowly was uh, Steve's father, Harry Odo, w- would come in on Wednesdays as well to help with the breakdown. And... Um, Harry started buying us lunch. He started buying me lunch. And it became like a weekly routine in the time I wasn't away at college. And uh, all of a sudden, Steve one day was like, hey, here, here's your money for today. I said, why, really? And then he was like, yeah, yeah, you're working now. You're, you know, you're, a, you're an employee of the store. And um, eventually it led to me getting keys and led to me spending an entire summer one summer working four or five days a week um, with Anthony, with Tom, um, with Steve. And, um, and then I, you know, I, I stayed on through college, through my master's, through the birth of my first son, through my doctorate, through the birth of my second son, 
Um, and I, I can't even, I don't even know exactly what my start date was, but I, it's got to be over 10, 11, 12 years, somewhere around that time. Well, they say that most of life is just showing up, and I think you've proven that. By the way, you volunteered your way into a job here. Um, I've often told the story of how I got my job here. Um, I was a, uh, a customer, and I, was, I was in high school, and uh, I was in here picking up my, my new comics on Wednesday, and Steve said to me, hey kid, how's your alphabet? And that was his way of asking me if I wanted to spend the summer uh, alphabetizing back issues. What a pickup line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the rest is, you know, the rest is history. I don't remember our first interaction. I don't remember when we met, but I do remember, Sean, um, I, I was probably working here during high school organizing back issues. And you would come in like a force of nature. I mean, you came in, no joke, you would come in and just make a beeline straight for those back issue bins. And just tear through them. I mean, you. I mean, you were on a mission, clearly. But, but not tear nicely. I was very, very <laughs> meticulous with the books. But I did. I had a. I, part of what I love about the store is is that there's there's so many boxes of comics all over the place, and there really are hidden gems throughout the store. And, and Steve always tells a story about how they found. Uh, the first appearance of Deadpool in the dollar bin or something. And I've never lived it down because I didn't pull out New Mutants, whatever, 98. Um, but but that, was one of the, that was one of the fun things, and it still is one of the best parts of working at the store, is every now and then I'll dig through a box and we'll, we'll say, oh my gosh, who knew that we even had this? Yeah, you bring up something. That, I mean, that reminds me of how I started coming here because it was the thrill of the hunt. Um, I was a regular at a comic store in White Plains, um, in comic, comic Book Heaven. And, um, you know, that place was, was nice. It had, it had good, some good qualities about it. Nice, I don't know if it's the right term, but it's some good qualities about it. Let's just leave it at that. Comic Book Heaven is actually where I got most of the Spider-Man clone saga. Yeah. It's, and it's where I got most of my Green Arrow uh, series. They had an amazing back issue They selection. had an incredible back. They would keep, they had a, almost a year's worth of books, of, you know, because they would buy, especially all the Marvel and DC, that they would buy so much excess. They had like a year's worth. Yeah, when I, I got back into comics, I was out of comics for about 10 years, eight years, you know, between college and travel. I was traveling around America. I was a really big deadhead fish fan, so I was doing a lot of touring with music. And I'd gotten out of comics, not completely, but I wasn't Wednesdays at all. I was just, you know, whatever I would pop in. And then I um, moved back home after school, and, uh, you know, got, I started working at Borders, and Borders had a pretty robust graphic novel section, and I started flipping through and being like, oh, hey. I know that guy, I know that guy, led me to a comic book store, uh, the comic book heaven, and it got me, I mean, within like a month, I was caught back up with everything that was going on in the Marvel Universe, that was the Heroes Reborn whole thing, totally jazzed me up, I was, you know, the Avengers had just started again with Perez and Busiek, so anyway, that was my store for a while, and, um, but working, I was working at Borders, like I just said, so it was retail, and I was working all different hours, you know, I was working 40 hours, but it would be three to 12 different times a day. So I would have some days that I was free and I would just go on the hunt in Westchester. Comic book, I started Comic Book Heaven. Hey, you know, I know I was just here the other day, but I'm just looking around. Then I would come down here and, you know, I'd drive around and I found, actually found one of my comics first. So I wonder if I ever saw you there back in the day. And this is going I had back. more hair then, so it's not like I certainly wasn't a regular. But um, but then you know I found here you know I came would come here and this started to be where I would spend more and more of the hunt, um, not even necessarily buying more and more, but like you know, like it's become clear from, you know both you guys know from my time when you guys worked more regularly, I would just start staying, talking, looking around, looking at something, and um, I don't even know remember when the transition came where I decided that I was going to have my pull list here instead of a comic book heaven. Um, but, uh, because this is not more convenient, I mean, it's way more convenient for me to be in White Plains. <clears throat> um, but it was, uh, it was the hunt that got me here. Like, it, there was a period where I was, like, jealous, like, oh, those guys, you know, they get to find the stuff, they're in there all day, they get to see the good stuff. You know, then I got to know everyone a little bit better, and I realized that, uh, you're not always searching for the good stuff, but, uh. No, no, we always <laughs> are, in fact. <laughs> if only you knew how much stuff was in here that you never even saw. It's not. <laughs> I mean, I have to say... One of the best things about working here was definitely, you know, getting our hands on everything first. You know, being here when that delivery would arrive and, uh, you know, we'd be the first ones to pick through those books and, mm -hmm. and find the perfect copy um, 
it was definitely always cool. But that actually brings up an interesting something that I wanted to ask you. Was there ever anything that you were curious about about behind the scenes of alternate realities? I, I, you know, no, actually, honestly, you guys, it's weird. I, I've always been, I feel like I'm a little, I've been a little bit more of an insider at times. I've always, has Steven ever, do you ever have to throw people out? Like, you ever, ever, I know that there used to be the gaming here that he would have to kind of get people out, but that was different because they were friends and family, if you will. So being like, all right, guys, I love you all, but get the fuck out is, you know, kind of what you do. But did he ever have to like throw customers out? Were there ever like a lot in here at the end of the store? Sean and I haven't exchanged any words, but I think we're both thinking of the, the Rough Lover story. Absolutely the Rough Lover yes. story, yes. Okay, this was the summer of 2007, I believe, and I think this was the summer that you and I spent a lot of time working here. Um, it was an interesting time in the store. Um, in, in my opinion, and I would stand by this, I think it was the last time that Steve was really enthusiastic and passionate about the store. Um, he had Sean and myself working here uh, at least three full days a week, if not more. And it was the last time that the store was really neat and, and tidy and organized because we just stayed on top of it so much. That was also the summer that Steve had shirts made uh, with the store logo and the website on the back. And he gave them out to the customers as a, I guess, as a thank you and also as a promotional tool. Mm -hmm. It was also during that summer that he decided to uh, update the website, and to do that, he hired a young lady who had recently graduated from a nearby local school. Uh, she was of legal age, but barely, and she spent some time working here, mostly on the website. Uh, she'd also be behind the register as well, and she was she quickly became the um, the object of affection for one of our one of our customers who um, was older, not vastly older, but, but older by a good bit. Old as shit compared to how old she was. But yes, she, yes, much older, much, much older than she was um, to the point where I'm expecting, you know, to catch a predator to come knocking on the door. Um, but yeah, no, so, so we had this customer who did really become infatuated with her. Um, and, and she shared the, the attraction and the two of them began a relationship in the store. Yes. So not long after that, uh, Steve made his disapproval known to the girl uh, that he didn't think it was a good idea for her to be associating with, with this older customer. Uh, so not long after that, um, Rough Lover came into the store and, um, and confronted Steve. It was a Wednesday, I believe, and the store was very crowded with us employees and, and, and other customers and friends of the store. So there were a lot of people around. And this guy comes up to Steve and says, I should kick your teeth in. Amazingly, the, the 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 balls it would take to come into a, this guy's place of business, surrounded by two employees and all of these customers that are friends of Steve's, that would all jump at the opportunity to to protect Steve and 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 stand behind Steve. Um, and here's this guy threatening him. And Steve, to his credit, actually handled it pretty well for Steve. I think. <laughs> I would agree. I mean, much has been said about Steve's uh, desire to avoid confrontation, but this was one case where he he didn't back down, certainly, and, and maybe in part because he was bolstered by, by all the people who were around him. But um, there were two pieces of the exchange that, that stand out the most. I'll take one. You could take the other one. Uh, the first was, uh, Rough Lover says to Steve, well, what do you think? I'm just banging her? And Steve goes, well, are you? <laughs> Are you banging her? So that's become a, a sort of a, a classic, often quoted line within within AR lore. And then, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he then follows with, "You don't know anything about me. You don't know if I'm if I'm gentle or if I'm a rough lover. You have no idea." Is, is that how it went down? Yeah, that's how it went down. And at that point, we're all sort of thinking, "Well, if we didn't know you were a rough lover before, we kind of know now." <laughs> And, of course, that name stuck because Rough Lover has been in the lore of, yeah. of AR history um, ever since 2007. <laughs> I, yeah. So this talk of Rough Lover actually brings me to my next point, the nicknames. Now, in general, I think it's fair to say that, that Steve and, and you and I you know, got to know many customers by name or at least by, by customer by number. reserve number, right? <laughs> um, but there were many customers who... Um, we either knew only by a nickname that we gave them, or even if we knew their real name, we chose to go by their nickname instead. Very few, if any customers, I think, actually know of their nicknames. 
Um, so what are what are some of your favorites? Pick a couple of the folks that I might oh. just, just not, don't have to tell me who they are. Just you know, so I can try and guess some you know in my head. One of them, and I and I and I, I, I actually consider him to be a, a friend of mine. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna poke fun at him anyway. Uh, Andy S O M. Andy S O M stands for Andy School of Management, I believe, right? Yes. But Andy S O M amongst us at the store, uh, at least Anthony and I, stood for Andy Sadomasochist. <laughs> and if you ever met the guy, you'd look at him and be like, "Yeah, I could kind of see that, maybe." You know. Um, but he's a really nice guy, and he never and he knows that his nickname is Andy S O M because he knows that he went to the School of Management. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't realize what our nickname behind the scenes <laughs> is for him. Um, there's also Evil Rich Roney, who doesn't realize that we call him Evil Rich Roney. Um, Rich Roney being, again, a very close friend, a very close friend of the store, very passionate about comics and, 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 and Silver Age stuff and the history of comics and art and writers and everything. And then you've got the evil Rich Roney, who is, I guess, an artist in his profession, um, insists on getting the, the, the store, the employee discount, um, has a passion for stuff, certainly, but doesn't have the the same way of conveying his opinions uh, in a nice and friendly and complimentary type way. So he became Evil Rich Roney <laughs> because he's the antithesis. And I think because the two of them squared off at one point. But uh, Yes. <clears throat> yes, there was a disagreement over the artist Don Heck. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, those two are definitely great. Um, and trying to think of some of my favorites, um, one is definitely Nickelback. And I can share that one because he he knows. I don't know if he knows that we call him that, but he at least knows that we we consider him to bear a very strong resemblance to the lead singer of Nickelback. Uh, and he's a great guy and and uh, you know and, and a friend. But uh, that that's one. Uh, Red Hulk is another one. Uh, I think this. I mean, it's it's not too bad. But uh, <laughs> so Red Hulk is is a customer of ours who. I mean, he's red. I mean, I don't know if he's been out in the sun working or it's there's just this anger. I don't know what exactly it is, but he comes in and he's a, you know, he's a, he's a solid, stocky guy. I mean, he's not someone you you really want to mess with, but he just always looks angry, and you know, just sort of his his the complexion again, whether he's been out in the sun or or he's he's worked up about something. You know, Red Hulk just seemed like an appropriate appropriate name. Absolutely, absolutely. I um, really hope he is out in the sun because just to be worked up all the time and just be red faced is uh, <laughs> not a fun way to be. Wallet Boy. Oh my God, I forgot about uh, Wallet Boy. Whatever happened to oh, Wallet Boy? That's a good episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Wallet Boy was a, was a customer who came in on a fairly regular basis. He had a reserve number in our system here, um, and on more than one occasion, he was a young he was a young guy. Um, one of the few youths, you know, who came through the store. Again, most mostly we're talking, you know, middle-aged guys. Um, but on more than one occasion, uh, this this fellow forgot his wallet, either at home or in the car. But it happened to the, you know, so many times that it was just like, what, you know, what's going on here? And so we started calling him Wallet Boy. And and he definitely knew that we called him Wallet Boy because not only did we call it to his face, but he would come in and the first thing we would say is we would look up and just drop everything we were doing and say. Do you have your wallet today? Because um, if not, you should go check for it first. And, um, and I, I think he took a little offense to that uh, eventually. Maybe that's why he doesn't time. come Maybe here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, was he trying to scam the store? I mean, was it like, oh, hey, I forgot my money. I'll pay no, you I next mean, he, week. He was always good about – no, like he, he would go out and he would he would come back and pay. Like he, he was always honorable and he always he always paid for the merchandise. It was just this, this routine of, oh, gosh, you get up to pay and be like, oh, Where'd my wallet go? Let me run out to the car and then come back and be like, who would have thought that it was in the car? Uh, and after, you know, one or two times, like, okay, yeah, maybe he's just forgetful or whatever. But by, like, you know, the 15th time, it's like, <laughs> if you haven't caught on to the routine yet, that you get out of the car and can't seem to remember your wallet, we're going to make it very clear to you that you should turn around, get your wallet, and then please come back in and shop here, you know. Um, and I'm trying to think of the nickname. I don't even remember what this kid's nickname was. But another one of the youths we have, and I know his real name, and I won't say it because I don't want to take any offense to it. But we had a, we had a, a, a young young kid who, who would shop here, who like all of us, very passionate about the comics, and would get them, and would be so excited that he would just literally be drooling at times, being like like his mouth would water. And <laughs> oh my god, I, I forgot all about this I, guy. <laughs> I don't remember his nickname, but I do know that on. Some occasions, 
when we were bagging his stuff, we would occasionally slip uh-huh. some salt packets or pepper packets that we would get from the deli next door in with his bag <laughs> because we always assumed that he was just going to go home and just devour like Comic Eater or something <laughs> like comic that. Comic Eater. Comic, comic eater, eater was his that, nickname. That Comic Eater was going to go home and just devour the book. And so we figured we would add a little flavor for him and give him those salt <laughs> packets with it. <laughs> it's funny because when you were starting to tell that story, I was actually thinking of someone else. Do you remember the guy who reminded us of a serial killer and he his hand he would be sweaty because comic eater would come in and he would he would be breathless he would (laughs) breathlessly ask for the latest issue of of whatever it was but i feel like there was another guy who actually really was sweaty to the point i mean he would give us the books and you would they were wet i i know i know exactly i'm trying to picture him but i know exactly who you're talking about and it makes me think of the other guy um who i guess we just called ocd guy but um we uh, many of us myself included um, uh, I think all of us have some level of OCD. And I think no. for me, it certainly comes out in my comic collecting. Ask, ask anybody who wants to borrow a comic from mine, no matter uh, how much I love you, you will not borrow a comic from mine. <laughs> I, I've been horribly scarred from an, a, a, an experience in high school where a good friend of mine bent the cover of my book and gave it back to me and was totally un, unfazed by it. And, and after that, never again. But we have this one guy who was... Who, was convinced and, and we would argue about does he how does he think that the comics get from the boxes onto the shelf because we we were physically manning these these books but he would go around and he would pick his books off the shelf and he would come up and he would refuse to let us touch them he would fan them out in front of us and he would say i've got three at 2.99 and one at 3.99 uh, and here's my money and he would drop it from a height so that our hands never connected we never touched his comics we never touched his hand. When we had to give him change, we had to drop it again <laughs> into his hand. Uh, and he would bag his own stuff and take it with him. So there was literally no exchange of any human contact, e- even remotely. Um, and so that, I guess we just called him OCD guy. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, once again, as you were telling that story, I was thinking of, of another person who, who would spend... We didn't have a nickname for him. Uh, we'll call him G. Um, he would spend, I mean, no joke, the entire afternoon... Once again, going through every every title and picking out that perfect copy, you know, there's that bit in in Clerks with the milkmaids, mm-hmm. and it was it was like that. But I mean, just to to a whole other level. I mean, it was it was scary. He would have these insane order forms that he would email Steve, and Steve would then, of course, order the books. Um, and as Steve has made clear, uh, some of the customers did not always follow through. On their orders, they just they would order it, request it, and never show up to buy it. Even when we would call, usually my job or Anthony's job, not Steve's, to call them and say, "Hey, listen, uh, come get your stuff," um, they still wouldn't show up. And so this guy G, um, he was he was notorious for this, and left us with a tremendous amount of, of of merchandise that he just never came. And so Steve emailed him and said, "Listen." I'm done pulling for you. This is enough. Enough is enough. You've taken far too much advantage of the store. Uh, nothing. We're putting everything you've got here back out for sale, and, and you're done. We're, we're finished. But month after month, an email would come, and, and he would have a whole other list of requests. Never coming in, never buying anything. And this went on, I'm not even saying one or two months after. This went on for a good year or so. Uh, so I really don't think if we use his name, will he ever be like, those assholes are talking about me. Because he couldn't understand when Steve would send email after email after email, ultimately sending one that basically said, you know, what the F is wrong with you? Haven't you taken an effing hint? You know, you should not be sending me anything. I am not order- I have not ordered anything for you in over a year. Um, and he, and I, I'm almost convinced that maybe even to this day, he's probably still getting emails from him, <laughs> which would be awesome. It would be so great. <laughs> Oh, I'd give anything to to see if that's the case and read some of them now. Yeah, I was. I just always hoped that that I wasn't here when he one day showed up to murder everybody. It is. It is uncomfortable. That's one. Of, maybe one of the behind the scene things um, from my experience, at least, is it is uncomfortable when somebody comes in and has not been told that they're dead, 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 and was just under the assumption that their books would be here for them, and then they come in after a very long hiatus. Um, and, and store policy would dictate that we were within our right to say enough is enough. You're done. Uh, but they would come in and they would be very upset. Why is my stuff in the box on the floor? Why, why, why don't I have the last three months worth of books? Why, why did you stop pulling? You know? Um, and then you'd have to sit there and explain to them, well, you know, you, you haven't been in in nine months and we've reached out to you and you never came. And you know, that's why we stopped pulling. Well, I'm here now and I want my stuff. And it was always very uncomfortable at times. Um, 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, sometimes it would manifest via the um, the secret files uh, in within the computer system. So for those listening who might not know how it works here at Alternate Realities, um, every customer who has a has a file number with us, um, they're, they're listed in our system here. And so when they come up and they give us their number, we type it in and we can pull up their their purchase history. Not the items, but the amount. And we keep track of those amounts. And every $100 that the customer spends, they get a $10 credit. But beneath the purchase history is a little text box um, where we can write notes. And uh, those those are, you know, when I refer to Steve's secret files, uh, that's how he uses that space. And um, the, the variety of information that's included in those files, it varies. Um, we have one, I know what you're going to say, though, about when uh, one of our customers became a man. Yes. Yeah, yes. So there's that one. But I was going to say, I was, I was, we got to explain what that one is. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to lead with it, it varies from, from the nice stuff of saying, well, when was his wedding anniversary? When was the birth of his kid? Two things regarding the store um, will not be able to come in for two months, keep pulling, or cancel the account, stop pulling, notes like that. But yeah, and then it does range all the way up to when people, Became a man. Uh, yes, referring, of course, to our young customer's bar mitzvah. Um, but right, what would happen sometimes is someone would come up. Maybe their comics weren't banished to the floor, but, you know, they would come up. They would, they would, you know, be ready to make their purchase and give us their number. And we'd pull them up and we'd see the note, you know, dead, dead, dead. And it's like, yeah, you have to break the news to them of like, well, you know, we had to cancel your file. And, um, you know, yeah, it, it could be awkward sometimes. I kind of I had forgotten about that. One of the things that I always find funny, though, is for every customer that we have had dead, 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 I, I would say it's fair to say close to half of them are still customers. And in fact, their files have been reopened. But Steve, who never hold, who never forgets, um, keeps the dead, dead, dead comment in there. And then we'll put we're giving him a second chance. S- Maybe he won't screw us again, you know. Um, and some of these can even get pretty explicit where he'll be like, that fucking asshole left us <laughs> with 150 bucks. If he ever comes back in, I want my money back, you know. Um, and it did leave us in that, that situation as you look at the secret file and you read it and you, you look up at the customer who's upset that his stuff's not there. And you think to yourself, oh, I'm not getting paid enough to have to break it to this guy <laughs> that he doesn't have the death of Superman in his file or, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe a more important book. And, and plus you owe us $150. Yeah, so yeah. Can you please pay? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I actually wanted to ask you, Mike. Um, I think that's a it's a great segue talking about um, you know again some of Steve's comments and his his attitude towards the customers. And again, much of our first episode of this podcast was about um, his closing announcement, in which he 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 blamed the closing on those customers who who left him in the lurch. Um, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe you've ever been on the receiving end of his wrath, um, but. I, I'm sure that you've you've witnessed it. You've you've seen it in in various forms in the you know in the sign that says "Don't touch a dumbass" and 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 things along those lines. So I'm just curious, what what has your take been on that? Um, yeah, you're correct. I've never I've never been the uh, the object of ire of Steve's uh, infamous ire, um, but I've seen it. Uh, I've never seen a full on dressing down of a customer. Um, you know, someone who either did something, you know, flat out wrong or tried to do something that he would just get, you know, go off on, thankfully. But I've heard him on the phone crush dreams, which is always fun. Um, you know, I hear some of the sto- some you know, the story you, you guys are saying, and, you know, it shocks me to think that people would walk in after not coming for nine months and that there'd be something for them. And that not only, not only would there be something for them, but there'd be something for nine months, or even a month, a month of not coming in regularly. And, you know, that, that that stuff would not only would be there exactly the way they expected. And, okay, so maybe, I mean, I'm a pretty OCD. I would, I would want that. But once I got here and it wasn't, to get mad at people because of something that I was not doing, it shocks me. So I have always taken a kind of amused um, perspective on Steve's uh, customer relationship. One of the things that we do at the store is on Saturday nights, there was a, a tradition of closing up and then going out to eat. And it was usually whoever was left around, but it became a real family. Mike, we've invited you to a number <laughs> of dinners, and you have not you have not made that jump. And, <clears throat> I mean, I'll ask you why, but I, I, can, I can say, you know, I was in that same position. Um, you know, they started asking me to dinner, you know, as soon as I started working here as a, as a high schooler. And, 
you know, I didn't go at first. And I think mostly it was out of shyness. Um, I also didn't even drive yet at that point. Um, so that probably had something to do with it. But I mean, I didn't really start accepting those invitations probably until I was in college, probably when, when you and I started hanging out, Sean, and, and we would go together. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I've always kind of been curious because we have extended invitations no. and you've, you've not made that. You've not made that. You want to have a little bit of a separation. Is that what it no, is? No, 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 no. Um, I, I wish it was something like that simple. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, so I feel comfortable uh, in this environment and with you got, you know, with the people here. Um, but uh, sometimes I feel. Oh, man, this, you're going to have to cut this out, you know. I don't know. It sounds this. like it sounds like we're going someplace good. Yeah. This is like a session of mine. This is great. So, so like I feel uh, like you know, there's a lot of times I I feel like I wear on people um, at times. That's been a, a concern of mine. Um, so I try to the distance I try to keep is more so that you guys always think of me as the fun, good person, and not uh, not those other times. So, it's, you, you know, it's about I mean, me more than anything. No, I mean I understand. It's it's funny. Um, you know, when I started working here, it was. More than anything else, more than getting the books first or getting a discount or any of that stuff, um, as corny as it sounds, mostly I just loved being able to finally talk about this stuff because I'm an only child. Um, none of my friends in school ever really were into comic books. And even, you know, the online forums, I mean, you know, this was late 90s, early 2000s. They, they were in their infancy. So I remember one day in particular, probably the first summer that I was working here, I chewed Steve's ear off all day basically it was just like a like a comic info dump it was like every <laughs> opinion i had about anything any question i had about anything i mean i just let it go and i mean you know bless his heart he you know <laughs> you know indulged me but um no three minute rule did steve not institute that for you no no <laughs> <laughs> um but so i mean i think we you know you know, I'm, I'm glad that you felt comfortable to let it out to the extent that you have. I hope you know that you're always welcome to, you know, to do so more, to join us. Appreciate now that the that. store is not going to be here. Yeah, I'm going to have to, absolutely. You're going to have to come to dinner. That's yes. Right. This is the, pl I spend a lot of money here, you know, I'm not going to lie. You know, more, this is where all any of my disposable income goes. Um, my wasted money, if you will, um, some people might say, would go to comics here. So uh, part of the reason why I it, it's gotten that way is because Steve's my friend and I've always taken the... You know the approach that um, you know if I'm going to spend my money, I'm much happier spending it in a place you know where that's my friends, that's going to support my friend, his life, his business, his family, and um, it's always you know this has always been money well spent in my eyes because of that. I get something out of it, and the person that I'm giving it to is someone that, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel strongly about you know supporting their life. Um, yeah, that was something that you said to me recently that I I thought was interesting um, because right I mean as as we mentioned before customers here who have a file with us essentially they get a ten percent discount they get a ten dollar credit for every hundred dollars they spend I know you could get a better deal elsewhere um, especially online but but you do come here um, to do that I mean I I don't know if I could think of any other place where I have done or or would do something like that. Uh, there, there's nowhere else. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I like to think of myself as a really good customer generally when places I like, you know, not just here, but elsewhere. But there's, you know, delis I like that I'll go to that are slightly more expensive than the one down the street, but because I like the people or the whatever, um, stuff like that, I'm really drawn to. Uh, and I would not make that kind of decision about any place, but um, I'm happy making that decision about, you know, here. I know how, why I, you know, grew to really like, you know, care about him beyond our interpersonal actions. Maybe the third or fourth year I started coming here, my sister and my parents came on in separate trips to buy me presents, um, for my birthday or something. And they both were like, he was so nice. You know, once we told him we were, you, you know, that we were here for you. It was like the red carpet, you know, it was, he was just, you know, totally, you know, nice, friendly, made sure, you know, he, you know, made sure that we got the deal, made sure that it went on your account. He's like, they were great. They just raved about him. And, you know, I came in and I was like, oh man, th you know, thank you so much. And my parents told me, you know, told me they were here and, it, you know, it was real nice. He was like, of course, you're my friend. Why wouldn't I treat your parents that way? And I was like, oh yeah. But like, I realized how. That gruff personality hides this soft little teddy bear inside that really wants to come out, that wants to be that way towards people. And I think people, other customers who are not as inner circle as, you know, as, as those me or others on the podcast and certainly you gentlemen who worked, you know, worked with them. Um, 
I think they see how we all interact with each other, and that that lets them look past some of the customer service style issues, I guess you could say, hey, um, that arise. That, uh, what customer service style <laughs> issues are you speaking? Well, of no, no. Like? I mean, you know, like the you know the 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 Steveness that we're talking about. The um, the letter, you know, the 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 the. The closing announcement. The closing announcement, the signs, like that stuff, you know, yeah, some of that, you know, I, I, you know, hearing some of people's comments against him, yeah, okay, I could see people taking that approach, but, you know, that, that was just a raw, genuine statement from Steve. So, you know, if you've known him, he's made others and made others in the positive, you know, way too, so. One of the only times that I remember you and I arguing with Steve is when we were trying to get him to put out action figures for sale and he was just not having it do you remember this is this the it's my money uh argument oh, that might have been a different argument oh. but maybe it will actually no i think you're yes. right yeah um yeah no i mean there's a lot of stuff in this store uh, as mike you can certainly <laughs> attest to there's a tremendous amount of merchandise in this store and i would say 75 percent of it's not even visible to the average customer um and part of when i first came into the store uh, and and hearing that hearing conversations from Bill and and Drew of another another former employee brand another former employee and owner you know um, there was always this belief move product around put things in put things in different spots let things be visible because when people do come in they might notice it in a different spot and say oh wow I never saw that before I really want to buy that what are some of the tasks uh, that that are involved in, in in working at a comic book store. If you're doing the Wednesday, it's the breakdown. Um, it's unpacking all the books. It's doing the counts, making sure that we have everything, that nothing's damaged. Um, and and each of us has a different grading of what we consider damaged. Yes, and by that he means that <laughs> <laughs> very few books make it past the McInerney scale. I mean, uh, I and I think a, a number of the other guys are a lot more forgiving. I mean, a book really has to be banged up for us to mark it as damaged and not put it out for sale. And I, de I can definitely attest to the fact that Steve became a lot more lax with those standards as the store went on. Because I, mean, I feel like when I first started working here, um, I was more mindful of that because he he would be more selective in terms of mm -hmm. you know whether a book was you know was in good enough condition to be on the shelf. Um, but you, I mean, I I don't know. Well, and, and and you know you're right because when I first started working, I remember that pressure of as we're counting a book on a Wednesday, uh, we'll get we'll we'll stack them all up and then you have to go through each one to check the cover front and back to make sure that it's that it's in good condition. And at the time, we were ordering 150 title 150 copies of Spider Man, you know, or, or even more than that, 200. 75 at one point we were ordering, I believe. Um, so we're talking huge numbers that we're counting and looking at. And I remember where we would stack the piles for reservists that Steve would then put aside and put into the file folders. Um, there's always that, that little twinge of anxiety of, is he going to come back and say, this one's damaged and you missed it? <laughs> or is he going to come back and say, there's supposed to be 55 and you only gave me 54? Or you gave me 56 and now I don't know what to do and I've got to go back and do it all over again. Yeah, I I completely agree. That that definitely was always a source of anxiety um, because the I mean the Wednesday mornings, you know, could often be tense. Um, oh, I can imagine. You know, the system has changed a little bit now. Uh, in recent years, uh, retailers have been able to pick up their books on Tuesday uh, from UPS. So now Steve can come here on a Tuesday, the day he's closed, and take his time. You know, bringing the boxes in, unloading. He can do a little bit on Tuesday, a little bit on Wednesday. Um, but during the time when, when you and I were working, uh, the Wednesdays, um, you know, he would pick the books up that morning, drive them here, unload, we'd unpack, we'd, we'd mark off to make sure that we received everything that we were supposed to, that, that things weren't damaged or missing. Um, and we opened earlier in those days. We opened yeah. much yeah. earlier in those days. Yeah. And so now we've got a nice window of a couple hours where we don't, we're not under that same time crunch, but before... I mean, you could see people lining up outside and looking and saying, oh, no, we still have, like, four more titles to go through. Yeah, and and the way Steve's system works is he um, does this all by hand, but, uh, you know, he'll tally up ahead of time, you know, how many copies of X book he needs for, you know, for, for each customer. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, you would see that number that he needs, and you would count it very carefully and bring him that pile. And, yeah, you would hope. You're like, I really hope I didn't, I didn't miss one or I didn't give him an extra one. <laughs> Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that would not go over well because on his end it would require going back through everyone who was supposed to get it to see if he, if he missed somebody, if he gave them an extra copy. 
uh, yeah, the, the, the Wednesdays were definitely, you know, could be tense, but also, you know, it's the busiest day. It's the most fun. Uh, it goes the fastest. There's the fun tasks that are not part of the job requirement unless you choose to make them, which is like pest control. Um, <laughs> there have been times where uh, mice have been, this is a, a mouse haven. This is this is like the dream for every mouse because it's surrounded by by perfect packing materials to make a home out of, and you're you're, you're sandwiched in between a deli, a Mexican restaurant, and a, and a Chinese restaurant. So this really is like the Garden of Eden for mice, and um, and there are times where mice would be found dead. We have traps out, and then we would catch a, a mouse. Uh, one time, we inadvertently killed a mouse just by placing a bookcase where we placed it, and the, the crevice was so small that the mouse got stuck and literally starved to death and died and began decomposing behind this bookcase. And um, there was a big debate at that time as to, well, who's going to get rid of this mouse? And how are we going to do it? Because little known fact, these bookcases – they're not only very big, but they're all bolted together in this really weird labyrinth of, of screws and, 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 and everything like this. And, and at one point, Steve had the belief, um, well, you know, it's going to decompose eventually. Yeah, it smells now, but we'll put some Glade or some air freshener out and who's going to notice, you know? Um, and ultimately, it resulted in myself and Rich Roney coming in. I want to say we got here at like 8 a.m. on a Saturday, three or three hours before we open, and with with tools to take the bookcase apart, take the mouse out, and then reassemble the bookcase back in its spot, um, mouse free. Notice I'm usually not present for for, for these <laughs> yeah, sorts thanks of a lot. jobs. Thanks a lot, Anthony. My favorite. There are a couple of my favorite jobs. My my favorite job is is I love grading books. I love when Steve buys collections and brings them in, and we price them. Um, Again, there's some anxiety. It, does Steve agree with my pricing? Does he agree with my rating of the book? Uh, who's to say? And and it's always hit or miss. Sometimes I think I think we've we've gotten better. I think he and I see books much more similar in quality. And and I'll often test him and I'll say, well, what do you think of this book as a gauge for myself? Um, and we have the we have the CGC guide and we have all the the lists and stuff. But there's still some subjectivity to it. Um, so that's one of my favorite jobs. And my other favorite job was the the doing returns. And doing a return <laughs> with a comic book is so against my grain because I'm so anal about my comics and the condition mm -hmm. that they're in that when you do a return, you don't return the full comic. You just return the cover. So you have to sit there and tear the comic, the, the cover off of every single comic you're returning. And how cathartic is that for someone like me who, mm -hmm. who is – practically wearing gloves to read these books um, to be able to just sit there and rip these things in half and throw them around. And I mean that, that I still, to this day, I love doing returns. Um, my least favorite job. And, and the one that I always just bang my head against the table with is when we had the dead, 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 when somebody was considered dead, dead, dead. And our job was now to count up how many books, what, what title, what issue and how much each issue was that this person left us with. And we literally cardboard after cardboard after cardboard of notes of, well, they had Avengers Avengers 57, Avengers 58. You know, the, they left us with $300 in, in, in you know, in losses. Um, I hated that because we did all that work, and then the books just sat there in the pile. Now they were alphabetized and organized, but they never really, not often, went back out on the shelf or anything like that. So they just were sort of a wasted opportunity. We have customers who uh, don't read signs, and, and we have lots of signs up, so maybe they're not totally to blame. But um, it's currently like 9 o'clock at night as we're doing this, uh, and there are people still banging on the door expecting to come in and buy <laughs> books. Um, there are times where it says very clearly, we're closed on a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday, it's a Tuesday night, mind you, no less. And they're still banging on the door saying, but you're, you're, you're closed, but you're, you're here. Um, so. Well, I think now would be a good time to maybe tell some of our, of our favorite stories. Uh, there's one that I know you and I both find very amusing. It's probably the time that I laughed the hardest at the store uh, it was a Wednesday. You and I were working together. Um, again, as we've said, Wednesday is, is new comic book day. It's the busiest day. So we had been open for a little while. You and I were behind the counter, Sean, and uh, Steve was sitting uh, on a chair, you know, sort of in the in the entranceway. And in walks this customer who we had interacted with before. We, he was not a regular, but he came in from time to time. And uh, he was harmless, but he, he would talk to himself. Um, but again, you know, you know, it's perfectly fine. 
So anyway, he walks in and he goes up to Steve and he goes, anything new today? Steve can have an attitude sometimes or, or sarcasm, but um, he, there really wasn't any of that in Steve's response. He just goes, well, it's, it's Wednesday. You know, there's always something new. And this guy goes, as cheerful as ever, as cheerful as he asked his initial question, he goes, you're a bitch. <laughs> I remember you and I just laughing so hard. I, I mean, that it still makes me laugh. That's the you're the, a bitch story. That's and that's that's definitely a, a great memory. One of my favorites um, is we have a customer who, um, you know, most customers get a discount. They get the ten percent off or whatever. And there are even some products that we discount even more for the customers that are really regulars and come in a lot and um, are buying stuff. And and like we said, one of the one of the um, items in the store that's that that has a very high markup are the variant covers, and these are covers that you know for every hundred books we order we get one copy of the cover, um, and the price for the book is is much much higher than it would be for any other, you know regular cover, um, and we have this one customer in particular who Steve was giving a very generous deal to because he would buy these books in bulk he would buy hundreds of dollars of these variant covers, so Steve was giving him a very nice discount. And what irks me is, um, you know, Steve's a generous guy and he's giving discounts to people and he doesn't need to because this is his, his bread and butter, this is his lifeblood, you know, and he's still discounting it for you. And then they'll come up and they'll say, well, can't you do any better? <laughs> and it would drive me nuts. And um, eventually this one customer kept doing it and kept just driving me nuts and driving me nuts. So finally I said, listen, I really wish I could give you a discount, but if I do... I, Steve's going to spank me again, and I just don't want to get spanked. And I and I went on to explain to this customer that when Steve gets frustrated with us, he takes us in the back and bends us over his knee and spanks us like it's like a like a like a child. And um, and thankfully, my friends were in the store and and they picked up on it and they would come by and say, "Yeah, no, Sean, we know what you got last time. We really don't want to see that happen again." And I'm convinced this customer left thinking like what the fuck goes on in this store and what is Steve doing to his employees that he's spanking them if they're if they're out of line but to the, but he stopped asking me for a bigger discount he just I gave him a price and he said you know what don't get spanked here's your here's your money don't worry about it so yeah the haggling the haggling was probably one of my biggest pet peeves and you know on the one hand I get it I mean we're not a chain you know so you maybe feel more inclined to give it a shot um, sometimes it'd be frustrating because, and I would think to myself, well, you wouldn't go into Best Buy and, you know, bring up a DVD and say, Hey, I'll give you $10 for it. Um, but you know, it would happen here. I think whether or not we were receptive to it depended on a lot of factors on who the person was and, you know, their, the way they approached us and, and, and what the item was. Um, but, but that definitely could be a pet peeve. Um, did, have you ever, have you ever tried to try to negotiate a better price here? And if wow. not, why not? Partly that's because it's this whole uh, the my concept of me is the cost. Well, I, I went through this at Borders. I mean, you you know, you you say that people wouldn't go up and say, "I'll give you ten dollars for the CD at Best Buy." Uh, this book has a crease in the upper corner. Can you give me a, tw- a ten percent discount on it? What do you mean? No, you have other books at ten percent discount. Oh, I don't understand, uh, sir. That's a university press book. Uh, Borders actually pays about two dollars less than the the cost of that. They only buy it because they want to have the in the store selection so you know you're lucky that we have it at all and that you're able to get it this was before you know but days before amazon you know you couldn't get this in westchester right now but the corner is creased it's not in perfect condition is your manager here and you'd be like seriously um you'd go through a lot so i brought that experience into into here you know into my what i would do here um so i would try to be pretty you know whatever see i and then over time, I mean, as he became my friend, it would be like, well, if that's what he's, you know, pricing it as, I'm going to, you know, that's good for me. And as Sean intimated, I would get deals periodically. Um, I would get birthday. I mean, I got a birthday present. I get a birthday present every year. When I, around my birthday, I buy something. I get something for free. As far as not paying attention, this actually was is a funny story. Um, we had a customer. I don't know if he comes in anymore, but he was a Wednesday regular for, for a while. Um, he would always go straight to the, uh, the incentive books, uh, that are on this counter right by the register. And, uh, he's uh, a realtor or something along those lines. And we found his photo in, in some real estate magazine. And just to see if he was paying attention that one Wednesday, we put the magazine on, on top of the incentive books open to the page with his picture. 
And he came in, no joke, went straight to the incentives, moved the magazine over, and started going through the incentives, not even realizing the picture of himself was right in front of him. Um, I'm, so, you know, it, it is what it is. But uh, I'm trying to, are there any other, any other pet peeves? I mean, one of mine, I will say this, and then I'll, I'll toss it to you. Um, the comic books on the new wall are organized alphabetically, mostly. Uh, for whatever reason, Steve thought it would make sense to keep all the X-Men books at the, end of the alf- at the end of the alphabet. So it's A to Z and then the X-Men books. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it, it really is alphabetical. And um, despite this, I mean, I've lost track of how many times someone would come up and ask for a title. And we would tell them, oh, it's alphabetical. And they would not be able to find it. That extends beyond just the, the, the books on the wall, the new books. Our, our, our graphic novel selection, it's all alphabetical. Alphabetical by company, by Marvel and by DC and by image and independence. Um, and that is a question. It's always, well, where can I find Batman? Well, right before, you know, Captain America and right after Aquaman, you know, um, you know he's the B book, so, so follow the alphabet. Um, that said... There is like a weird alphabet, and you touched upon it. The X books come at the end, but there are also books. Uh, very recently, a book called Black Vortex. It was a storyline running through some of the X Men and Guardians of the Galaxy titles. Um, it was down under the X Men books. It was you know because it was an X Men story, X Men Black Vortex. But it was also up under B. And when one of the new tags depleted, there was a question of, well, what book goes here? Well. We don't know, and, and we, we look at the order form. and We say, "Gosh, I don't know. I don't see anything that begins with B on the on the order form. What could it be?" Oh, well, it was X Men, Black Vortex. That's why. That's why we couldn't find it. That's what was there. So there is a you know a slightly skewed alphabet in some respects, but it is pretty simple to figure out, I think. And and the fact that most of our clientele are are, are older, you know. Um, educated, you know, working professionals that come here. We're not talking the five-year-olds, six-year-olds, um, where you would, where you would be patient and say, you know, I understand. I'll help you get it. Um, we're talking, you know, lawyer. I mean, we're in scars. We're talking lawyers, doctors, you know, coming in and saying, I don't understand. Where's Wonder Woman? Well, it's under W. Well, where's W? Well, at the end of the alphabet, you know what I mean? So that's definitely a pet peeve. And I, and I think one of the fun, uh, little side notes about the store and the employees of the store is, um, this, you know, local business employs some of what I think are some of the highest educated, you know, retail people <laughs> in the county, in the county, you know, uh, you know, Steve has a, his law degree, Anthony, you've got your law degree. Bill Mayo has a doctorate in chemistry. Um, I've got a doctorate in psychology. Uh, Steve Ryan, Steve Ryan has a master's in computers and Tom, Tom has, has a master's, master's in education. education. So, I mean, we've got, you know, graduate level employees here uh, <laughs> that all have lives outside the store for the most part and, and yet all still come back to work at the store. And, and there's a reason for, for that. And I, and I love that this store cultivates that, you know, that type of uh, employee. Much like actors on a television show that that's ending, are there any things in the store um, that you guys would want to grab before before it's all over? I'd love that Rocketeer uh I think that's a Dave Stevens uh, uh, drawing up there. Make us an offer. <laughs> <laughs> the memento that I that I have from the store, and this sounds incredibly silly, and I know my wife is going to be very disappointed. In my portfolio, where most people would put original art or sketches from artists from Comic Cons and stuff like that, um, I have three pages, each one for each store bag. Uh, I've got the Green Lantern's bag, I've got the Batman bag, and I've got the Superman bag. And it's a really silly, worthless memento to hold on to. But I look at them and I really do see the eras and generations of the store. And there are memories associated with each bag that I look at. So I've kept those. Those I'm really proud to say I have. And I know in talking with Steve, he does not have the Green Lantern bag, and I he's got some Batman still, but no Green Lanterns. Mm. Green Lanterns are very tough to find. So, AR fans, if you have any, hold on <laughs> to them. They are nice relics. So, Yeah, though, that is a great collectible. I, I, I only have the Superman bag because I just thought of it when he, you know, when he, after he announced the store closing like that, that day, I was like, yeah, I got to keep a couple of these. Uh, I'm not going to have them anymore, you know? Fun fact, in addition to storing a customer's <laughs> recent purchases uh we also use the ar bag as gift wrapping 
Yeah, so I definitely want to grab uh, grab a stack of those. Uh, and yeah, I guess keep a couple as, as a memento, but also continue to have wrapping paper. <laughs> exactly. And I think another thing that I'll, I, I hope to keep, um, and this was a while, a few years ago, or maybe even five, six, seven years ago, um, for the holidays, I went out to the, the grocery store next to us in the shopping mall and I bought a bunch of Christmas stockings for a dollar or two a piece, whatever, cheap stockings or whatever. And then I bought those those little um, sparkly markers and stuff, the glue markers. And I, and I hung Christmas stockings up throughout the store for all the different people um, that worked at the store at the time. And there were, there were many. Most, it was actually mostly the people that went out for dinner at the time. And there's got to be 13, 14, or 15 of these stockings at this hey, point. You included a lot of people um, in there. I'd like to take those back with me. I, so I want to go back to your your personal collection for a second. Uh, there's a segment in my comic shop documentary uh, that features uh, various customers and their and their man caves. And in in that segment, I, I interviewed you and your wife together, and you talked about your aspirations for your own man cave. Um, now it's been a little while since we filmed that. So for those out there who have seen the movie and were wondering if you ever got that man cave, what can you tell them? Well, I could tell them I'm very pleased to say that I do have a man cave. It's one that I really do um, value. Uh, when my wife and I were looking for houses, um, we had a conversation about my collection. And I've got a, a sizable collection. And the debate came down to, well, where are we going to store it? And, and I was adamant, well, it's not going in a basement and it's not going in an attic. So it either gets its own man cave, presumably a bedroom, um, or it's going to be scattered throughout the home pictures hanging in the living room and dining room or whatever and my wife thankfully uh, and I'm very blessed to say this said okay well when we're shopping for a house we will we will find a house and you can have the smallest bedroom in the house um, and we were of the good fortune to be able to buy a home um, that has four bedrooms and I took the smallest bedroom um, and it stores I would say 75% of my collection the rest um, thankfully can stay at my parents uh, I have a closet there with about three or four thousand comics in it, um, but the other six or seven thousand are still in my room. I have to ask, and and if if I can get your wife to come on and do our episode of the podcast, I'm all right. I'm trying. <laughs> Sean's trying. It's a struggle. I'm real. I'm trying. She she was a good sport. She was in the movie. Now we got two kids, and the last thing she wants is to spend three hours away from them. At night. <laughs> I mean, um, I I certainly understand. Um, but right, so we're doing this upcoming episode. It's called Wednesday Widows, and it'll feature some of the significant others of the male AR community members. Um, so yeah, we'll keep working on that. Hopefully, we can get her on there. Um, but in the meantime, I mean, in the meantime, I'll ask you because I have to say, um, for the various times that I screened the documentary and then I you know I put it online and got responses. One thing that did seem to make an impression was, you know, your interaction with your wife in the movie, specifically where she says that um, she thinks you should not buy and collect comic books. So, I mean, you sort of got to respond to it in the movie, but I guess I just wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, to just address that. So I think it's it's not necessarily that I should not buy and collect comic books. I think it's more I should not be so preoccupied by the hobby. Um, and, and my hobby, and I'll be the first to say it, it is, it is certainly excessive. Um, and there are better ways with a, with a young family for me to invest money. Um, and I'm blessed to be able to have some, you know, fun money around, like you were saying, Mike, this is where my, 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 my extra money that I don't need to put in savings or whatever, um, or I can afford to not have to put in savings. This is where it goes. It goes into this hobby. And, and I always make the argument with it, well, you know, I could be spending it, you know, going out all the time with friends, drinking, or, you know, having, you know, going to strip clubs or, or smoking cigarettes or anything like that. I could put money that way, like, or, or even drinking coffee every day from Starbucks. I could spend my money that way. But I would rather, you know, take that $5 and instead of buying a latte, I'd rather buy a couple books, at the, uh, you know, a couple comic books to hold on to in the long run. Um, so I think that's where I think that's where her pet peeve comes in. It's 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 that, uh, you know, I'm locked into Wednesdays. I think comics are like drugs, and I think comic book collectors and 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 the customers, myself included, are drug addicts. And I show up every Wednesday looking for my fix. Mm -hmm. And we have lines out the door before we're even open, of people who need that weekly fix, and they want it before it gets, you know, with 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 the internet now everything all the information is accessible they want it before the spoilers hit the internet they want it they want to hold it in their hand i mean mike you come from work during your lunch to get that book mm -hmm. uh you know 
So I, I mean, I, I think that's that's the part that she that she doesn't like is that I'm locked into it, and that when we go on vacation, I'm always te- I'm texting or emailing the store to make sure that my stuff that I want is pulled aside <laughs> from me. Uh, partly because it's not always pulled aside from me, Steve. Uh, thanks a lot. I'm employee of ten plus years, and you still don't always pull everything I want. But also because I'm I'm so OCD that um, that I want to make sure I have what I have, and so I I appreciate that she does maybe not look super favorably on it and and if you saw the man cave today you would it's it's overwhelming there's a lot yeah. of stuff to it thank you to both of you for sharing your comic shop history uh before we wrap up is there anything else that either of you would like to say anything we didn't get to that you wanted to i uh i want to say uh thanks to you Ant, for for doing this and for i mean for the original for the um the movie you know um you know, in a lot of ways, uh, this place was special to me, but I didn't realize how special it was until you started doing these things and kind of codifying it, kind of making it something not something I could look at outside of my everyday, my experience of coming here. And I really appreciate that. So, um, yeah, so the last thing I wanted to say um, is if, Steve, you're listening to this, buddy, um, you know, I really want to say thank you for giving me um, – you know, uh, uh, a place that I felt comfortable coming to, a place that um, I looked forward to coming to, and um, a place where other people looked forward to coming to, and a place that really had a lot of uh, a lot of spirit, a lot of life, a lot of energy, and a lot of love. And um, it's so rare that I really hope you you are so proud of yourself for having made this place uh, something special, and and enabled other people to um also uh feel how special it was and to make it special themselves so thanks bud this place has been great and i will never forget you and uh just to close out too i i think i first i hope that the customers of the store uh listen to this and i hope that they realize how much i truly uh, appreciate and feel blessed to have been able to um be a part of their lives in an ever so small a way. Well, thank you both for the kind words and for participating in this episode. Uh, it's really been a pleasure speaking to both of you and, you know, obviously a, an even bigger honor, you know, getting to know both of you through the store over all of these years. Uh, so, so thank you to both of you. Uh, and to those who have listened to this episode, thank you very much. I hope you'll continue to tune in for future episodes of My Comic Shop History. Until then, don't be a flat squirrel. <laughs>